What's going on, good people? It is your boy, Josh Rogers, and I want to welcome all of you country people, city dwellers, saints and friends to another episode of one of the greatest podcasts here on Cicely Tyson's Internet. And that is the Jigsaw. You know how we do it. We are a bunch of people trying to figure out and navigate this crazy puzzle piece called life. And that is the puzzle piece, the jigsaw. That's what it is. Where we talk about the perils, the praises, the productivity and the pump and circumstance of being a black millennial in America. It is the ghetto sometimes, but I would not trade it for anything else in the world. How y'all doing out there? Y'all good? I know things are crazy still. I know unemployment is high still and coronavirus is You know, still out there doing their thing and because we won't act right, you know, numbers are spiking and all of that. But I just want to make sure that y'all are good, that you're maintaining self-care, you're doing everything that you need to do, you know, to remain well and sane in these uncertain times in this crazy environment. Um, I want to check in on something specifically before we jump in the show in this in this little intro part that we do. Have y'all been keeping up with these versus battles? I know there was one with John Legend. And Alicia Keys and more on Alicia Keys later in the in the billboard. But, you know, I heard it was good. I heard there was a lot of piano playing and, you know, it was vibes or whatever. I just did not have the capacity to watch that one. I felt like it would be a snooze fest, but I heard it was good. Then I heard there was like, what? Well, who was it? Jada Kiss and Fabulous was on the other night. And from what I understand, that was dope, too. A lot of people got to reminisce on college and high school or wherever you were in life when most of their songs were popular. And Fabulous and Kiss had some bops. I just wasn't a major fan, especially not big of a fan enough to sit down and to listen to them for hours on end playing music back and forth. What's not going to happen? But I hope y'all enjoyed it. I hope that it brought the peace, love, and harmony and all the other good stuff that all the Versus Battles has brought us. Um, But I want to just check in because I know that is something that we've relied on, the power of music in these crazy times while we've been quarantined, where most of us have been quarantined and staying in the house, side-eyeing a few of (laughs) y'all. But I know that is definitely something that we've been using as a means to recalibrate and to just reflect on when times were a little bit better, when we can be outside and be in real concerts and music festivals and all that kind of stuff. Because you do know here in Atlanta, like summertime is music festival time. Like there's literally a festival, not necessarily a music festival, but just festivals. There's some type of festival every single weekend. And man, we are missing out. But Neither here nor there. No need to dwell on what could have been, what could have been great this summer. Um, We still have a lot of great stuff ahead of us. I believe that the year is not going to be a total waste bucket. I'm I'm holding out. I'm hoping against hope for that, y'all. So somebody hope with me. But anyway, let's get in. Let's get into our show. We got some good stuff to talk about. Super excited about our living room conversation. I brought my brothers with me. We're going to have a conversation on daddy issues. I'm calling it officially daddy issues, but it's a fatherhood forum. So let's get ready and go into that. Let's go into the bless up report. Yeah. Right 
So this week on the Bless Up Report, we want to shout out Portrait Coffee right here in Atlanta, Georgia. They are a brand new coffee shop that's going to open up in the fall of 2020 this year. If all goes well, I've been seeing buildings that things open up. I think general contractors and builders are considered essential workers. So hopefully they're still able to stay on schedule. They've been doing some pop up um, events and having their coffee and different type of events and social gatherings. And they've really begun the word out. They are one of the few, very, 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 very few black roasters here in the entire state of Georgia. They're going to be opening up their shop in the historic West End over there where the AUC is. And that's home to Morehouse, Spellman, Clark Atlanta, ITC, Morris Brown, ish <laughs> you know so it's it's a really dope area and i think it's going to create a vibe in that area that is going to attract of course those college students you know we love a good place to have a cup of coffee and to study and to create our you know own ambiance and environment there so i'm sh- pretty sure there's going to be some dope stuff going on that will cater to that community another part about it is that i love that it is a black owned coffee shop entering the West End because the West End is going through a gentrification process. So we all know what that means. And as much as I am all for communities being rebuilt and redeveloped, I am oftentimes, not just oftentimes, all of the time disappointed in the fact that gentrification means the displacement of people who help build that community, who help sustain that community. So when redevelopment happens, it is really beautiful to see that black dollars and black businesses are being reinvested in those same black and brown communities. So shout out to them for that. That was a sidebar. But I did want to shout them out for being a black owned coffee shop right here in the Atlanta area. So if you are here in the fall when they announce the date, I'll try to be sure to circle back and announce that as well. But when they announce the date, make sure if you're in the Atlanta area or you visiting because you ninjas love to visit Atlanta, Georgia, mighty God. <laughs> but when you are here, make sure that you go to the West End, you have your cup of coffee. Right now, you can still enjoy their coffee. They're selling their beans and their grinds on their website. And they also have candles. Their coffee bags and their beans um, range from about $14 a bag up to, I want to say about 18 bucks. And their candles about $18 a piece. They're about the size of one of the big three-week um, bath and body work candle. So if you're familiar with that, that's about the size of the candle. So just support. They are currently sold out. I was just on the website because I just bought me a French press. Shout out to all the bougie coffee drinkers out there. And I was looking for some black owned coffee businesses to support. And when I found them, I immediately wanted to buy some, but they are sold out. But their website promises that they restock on coffees every Tuesday. So this comes out on a Thursday. So on Tuesday, you know, bring this podcast back up write you a reminder, do whatever you got to do and make sure that you support this black owned business from these three, um, these three black men, Marcus Hollinger, John on I probably destroyed your last name. I am so sorry. And Aaron Fender. So those three men are the co-founders of Portrait Coffee ATL. They're doing great things. Cannot wait to see how you impact um, the community and the coffee community and the greater Atlanta area by what you're doing. You're already doing a good dope job. Keep doing it, man. Bless up to y'all. Let's go directly into the billboard this week in current events. Our current president, number 45, Agent Orange, Donald Trump. He's rumored to drop out of the race if the current polls do not increase. And, you know, I'm not surprised by that. You know, he's a childlike figure. 
So it does not surprise me that he is a sore loser because current polls have Biden winning the election upward of about nine points or so in most of the polls. And this is from like conservative based polls, you know, the more liberal ones, all of that kind of stuff. But we you know that we can't get too excited. So let me pause for the calls right here. We can't get too excited and feel like that we have nothing left to do and that we have this thing in the bag because a lot of the polls in our last election had um, presidential hopeful, my girl, Hillary Clinton, you know, up in a lot of areas and we see how it turned out. Right. So let's make sure that despite what the polls are saying, we are still going to vote. I am going to be a broken record up until November. So just be prepared for that. Okay. And it's probably going to get worse, (laughs) but no, um, Donald Trump is saying, and it was a trusted source allegedly in his party that communicated with someone in the Republican party. And it was reported on Fox news that if the polling numbers continue to decline, that he would drop out of the race. I don't necessarily think that is true, but it would be very interesting and it would not be surprising at all. I think that would be the ultimate blow to the Republican party. And As a vice president, Mike Pence, I would assume he would step up and run, but I definitely don't think people are going to vote him into office. So do what you will with that information. But that's what it was. Donald Trump, of course, and his team denied it, said that it was fake news, even though it came from Fox. He said Fox has always reported fake news and blah, 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 blah. And all the crap that he, you know, that he always says about the media and the news outlets. So, again, do what you will with that information. But. That's what's supposed to be happening. So we all know about the tragic death of Breonna Taylor, right? Super sad, super messed up, especially how it happened. And we're still yet demanding justice. Do not let up people. But we're here to talk about this um, little attorney general guy, Mr. Daniel Cameron, who says that he will not be pressured by the likes of celebrities, people like Beyonce. I think it was a specific tweet or meme that I saw to go and arrest and convict the police officers who murdered, that's the word, because that's what happened, Breonna Taylor. Now, sir, I understand due process of law. I understand the need to possibly investigate, but there are enough facts that the public has that should lead to, if nothing less, an arrest of these officers. These officers are free, and you are out here proposing to this white woman all on Instagram, all excited and signing bills to support not defunding the police. And I want to bring somebody on to so we have a real conversation about what defunding the police really means and the effects of that, because I think a lot of us are really ignorant, not necessarily ignorant as in we're stupid, but ignorant as in unlearned about what it means. So we need to have we need to have a living. We need to bring somebody to the couch and have a living room conversation. Another aside. But, sir, you're doing all of the things except for doing what we need you to do. If at if there's nothing else, these gentlemen need to be arrested and this investigation needs to be intensified because I know you're going to do whatever you think you need to do. Um, it needs to be intensified so that these young, these men who murdered this young woman, right, can be brought up under the penalty of law and that we can have justice for her slain life. It is ridiculous. And at this point, you are pandering not only the black community, but the communities at large. All right. So chill out with it, bro. I know you're being all defensive. Um, I'm not going to even go down the rabbit hole of that 
about the fact that you're engaged now to a white woman. Like, I'm not, not even going to do that and make any implications about what that means and your viewpoints surrounding this issue. What I want you to do is to do your job and not be so bought out and manipulated by local government, by police agencies, that you do not do the right thing in this situation. Do the right thing, bro. Convict these people. Bring justice for Breonna Taylor. All right. All right. So our favorite or maybe not so favorite problematic cousin or maybe former cousin, Kanye West, <laughs> just inked a deal with the Gap. It is a 10 year deal um, worth millions upon millions of dollars. And they're going to call it Yeezy Gap. That is part of the partnership. And it should be released in about the first half of 2021. Don't really know what that means. <laughs> first half of 2021 to me is January to June. So I guess look out forward in, you know, spring, summer, you know, September, spring, summer, whatever Sheree said. <laughs> so I, I don't know when to look out for, but they're saying first half of 2020 is when we can see Yeezy Gap. Um, and for what I understand, it fulfills Kanye's, one of his bigger goals and ideas is to bring clothing and fashion to the masses because his Yeezy brand was immediately pushed to the luxury point because of their prices. And, you know, no shade, but all shade. <clears throat> those Yeezys. Have y'all seen those slides? Them new slides, they look legit like orthopedic twos. They look like, you know, if some stately senior citizen was permanently um, recruited to be <laughs> recruited to be a security officer. So I don't know what those things are. They are ugly. They are overpriced, but people are buying them for whatever reason. So I am kind of interested to see what this Yeezy Gap partnership looks like. Because Gap, for all of you who know, is really kind of preppy. They make really great jeans. Shout out to the people who like jeans. But like beyond just basic denim, it's kind of preppy, you know, kind of standard business, casual, casual, casual type clothes at relatively affordable price points, right? Not the best quality, but also not the worst quality. Pretty decent stuff, I, I, I guess. Um, and I just, I don't know how Yeezy's brand and idea is going to mesh with that because what he's brought to the table as far as fashion is really off base to what The Gap does. So that's interesting all within itself. I think the bigger win for Kanye is to fulfill this alleged dream of his, and that's to bring clothing and creativity to the masses. So we shall see. Don't know if I will be supporting that. I don't wear the gap like that anyway, but I am interested to see what this is going to look like. So I'm not going to tell you what I'm not going to buy, but I am going to tell you I have zero intentions at this present moment in the Lord's day, um, in the Lord's year of 2020 right now <laughs> to purchase anything from Yeezy Gap. So BET Awards came on this past Sunday and it was different. It was a quarantine edition, which means that everything was pretty much pre-recorded and heavily produced. Now, to that point, I actually love the fact that most of the performances were produced. It was really great quality. I felt like some of the sporadic and spontaneous good, bad, or indifferent things that happened <laughs> during a live award show did not happen because the artists had opportunity to really plan and to move beyond what the confinements of a stage will be. Um, they didn't have to deal with any technical or sound issues. And if they did, we didn't know why, because they had the opportunity to 
pre-recorded, you know what I'm saying, and get it out there. So to that point, I thought it was dope. Amanda Seals was the host. And you know, you know, um, Amanda, I'm not, I'm not not a fan of Amanda Seals. That's the best way to describe my feelings toward toward her art um, or style of comedy and comment you know commentary she was okay she wasn't like funny i, I still say what you want to say about monique she was by far the best host of the bet awards in history it just goes down from her praises and montages to beyonce just to her jokes her relatability everything about her in those moments were great so i don't think anybody's going to measure up to the goatness of what she is and was to that award show but Amanda Seals was, I mean, she was kind of underwhelming, but she was Amanda Seals. So if you know anything about her and, you know, her art and her comedy and her commentary, then, I mean, you kind of knew what you were going to get into. But, you know, she she was all right. Um, that was some really great performances. Megan the Stallion from Houston, Texas. I mean, the hottie gave it to us. Now, I'm not a huge fan of this new song. It's OK. Let me take that back. The song is OK. It's okay. Let's just let's just stop there. The song is okay. Uh, but when she went into the Savage remix, you know, she danced, she did her her coin magnes and all that good stuff. Great performance. Um, really good stuff. Kiara Sheard did the gospel <laughs> performance for us, and she brought her her mom, legendary Clark sister, Karen Clark Sheard. They brought down the house. Really enjoyed their performance. And you know, I really wasn't a fan of that song per se, but that performance kind of made me listen to it again. I'm like, okay. Okay, I'll give this album another try. Her latest album, Anderson Pac, though, man, his creativity and what he brings to music is just, you know, just great. And <laughs> I mean, I really don't have words. The man is just like talented. He is a musical savant, so to speak. And I just love his approach to culture, his approach to society and how he infuses all of that in his music. And he's so artistic and the musicality that is presented when he performs and sings and just presents is it's, it's really dope. It's really dope to see how he evolves. And I'm really interested to see how he continues to evolve as the years progress. Um, Summer Walker gave us a pretty decent performance. I was not you know, she's not the best vocalist, but even though the BET Awards were not live, I think she sang live from her little set thing, you know, and I was underwhelmed. You know, people like Kate for her and her vocals, and I just don't know why, because those vocals are just, you know, she's a standard kind of everyday 21st century R&B vocalist, you know, nothing spectacular about it. But I, you know, I ride with her a little bit. But she sang one of her, you know, her popular songs, the one that she has with Usher. I think it's called Come Through. I want to say it's called Come Through. I know the song, I just can't remember the title of it. But Usher came through and sang for us, and, you know, they did their thing together. That was dope to see. And um, Beyonce got the Humanitarian Award. She was there. Technically, I'm using air quotes right now. And I'm going to tell y'all now. Y'all know Beyonce don't come to these BT Awards. Y'all know she don't. 
Y'all know she don't. And when she does appear, she's usually there by video or virtually anyway. So this is the closest y'all going to get to Beyonce being at the BET Awards in a long time because you can't give her the humanitarian award two years in a row and make up stuff for her to try to be here. So um, but it was it was dope to see her honored for all of the work that she does in the community. I don't think people understand that she really gives back. She is really philanthropic. Um, she uses her dollars and her voice for good. So that was dope to see that they honored her and side note to that she has this i think part of her deal with disney is the blackest king film or visual music video whatever is going to be um that she's releasing and it just looked captivating that's the word i will use i'm not going to say that i am 100 excited about it i think it's going to be dope i was more intrigued than i was interested and that's because the visuals were just so great right i hope that makes sense but we're going to be looking out for that um yeah oh Oh, 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 Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson was loud. What was awkward about her was that opening of her song when she was playing the keys. And she was like, you can tell she learned those five or four chords to be able to play in the movie. to like she's playing the piano, probably like Aretha Franklin. But they kept zooming in. And I'm like, why are they doing this? She's, she's just playing a couple of chords. And this is nothing worth highlighting and, and recording. Stop. But even in her loudness, she sang at those BET Awards. And a lot of Jennifer's performances lately, I have been underwhelmed because she's been really pitchy and she's just been screaming for the sake of screaming. But she did great justice with Young, Gifted, and Black. And it made me a little excited to see what she's going to do in the role of Aretha Franklin. Say what you want to say. The queen picked her personally and she's going to do it. And we know, we know what she can do as far as an actress, right? So I don't think that she's going to disappoint in that way. And the girl can sing. So I think it's going to be good. Excited to see that. I want to say it's slated to premiere in December in theaters. Probably not. We'll probably still be quarantined by then because y'all don't know how to act. All right. And last but not least with the BET Awards is Mr. Wayne Brady, sir. <sighs> I understand that on BET's show, Soul, the Soul Train depiction or whatever it's called, when, when you know, when they're documenting or created a series about real life Soul Train, that he plays Little Richard. And that's probably why they pulled him to do the tribute. But literally, that was still a terrible choice. It was a terrible choice for him to play Little Richard in the Soul Train show, let alone to bring him back to pay tribute to Little Richard. On the awards, there could have literally been almost anyone else. I'm exaggerating, but <laughs> Wayne Brady. And then he had on this like cheap Tyler Perry wig. It was just not what we needed in that moment to shout out and pay homage to such a legend, such an an out loud and forceful um, mammoth of a human being. Who would I have chose? So people ask me that. Say what you want to say. Bruno Mars would have killed it. And I'm thinking from a perspective of just performance and energy. Right. Um, Because I'm thinking about people of color. You got to think about what Bruno brings to the table and he would have killed Tutti Frutti and, you know, good God, let me smile. I think that would have been amazing for him to do and have his band in the background and him playing the keys. Like, I think that would have been dope. I also think. um, What's his name? Acts like Prince or mimics Prince. You can tell he studied Prince. Miguel. Yes, because Miguel has this kind of rock star, androgynous thing about him as well that I think he could have brought to the table and done a really good job. And if we're being honest about it, just vocally, I think the queen of tributes, Fantasia, would have done an amazing job. And it has nothing to do about her being a woman and, you know, Little Richard being a feminine or anything like that. I think in previous honors and tributes that we've had 
men tribute women and women tribute men. And in this particular thing, they could have done a multi-artist thing and allow Fantasia. She would have like her growl and her grit um, to singing, what she brings to the art would have been dope um, as she honored Little Richard. So I think those could have been three options that would have blown Wayne Brady out of the water. Wayne Brady is like corny and has this like real commercial jingle-esque type singing voice that just did not work for tributing the man, the myth, the legend, which is Richard Penniman, better known as Little Richard. But, you know, that is that. So anyway, that's that's enough about the billboard and all that's going on. Let's go directly into the meat and potatoes, like we like to call it. Grab your drink, grab your snack. Let's go sit on the couch and let's head to the living room. What's going on, y'all? And welcome back to the living room. Today I am. Mad excited. I think I say that almost every episode, but today in the living room, we got the couch and all three of the lazy boys ready because I got a full house. <laughs> I got my bro, I got my brothers with me, and we're gonna have an in-depth conversation. My boy Marcus Thomas, Chris Moore, and Brian Hare. Welcome to the virtual living room. Um, introduce yourselves. Brian, tell the people who you are. Reintroduce yourself. Tell the people who you are, what you do. All right, glad to be back in the living room. Um, Brian Hare. I am a husband, I am a father, I'm a black man who, you know, loves his life, uh, loves Jesus and gangster rap. <laughs> and his mama black, his <laughs> wife black and his daughter black. That's what Everybody black. <laughs> Everybody black. <laughs> My president is still black. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> my name is Chris Moore, AKA Light Skin Huncho, um, in my mind. Um, that's what I do. I'm the first, I'm a first time guest on here. I don't have I I ain't been in here twice yet. This is my first time, so I am losing my virginity on the Jigsaw podcast. Okay, all right. Cherry right. <laughs> has been popped forever. <laughs> Lord, we can see how this gonna go. Marcus, introduce yourself, man. Uh, good. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Marcus Thomas. I am also a husband. I'm a father. I'm in full-time ministry, I'm a business owner, I am a community leader, and I love everything New York rap. Unapologetic about that. All right, so y'all y'all see who we got in here. We, we, got, we got one problem child and the light-skinned dude, um, but it's going it's to be a great conversation. And if you did not know in the intro, I think I may have said it, is that today we're talking about fatherhood and what that means to us and our development and how we've grown um, from it in spite of it and all that different kind of stuff. We just finished um, celebrating Father's Day. Um, and for my boy Marcus and Brian, it was their very first ones. Hey. So, um, yes. so before, before we dive into the conversation, Marcus, <laughs> tell us how did it feel to celebrate your very first Father's Day? Uh, it felt great. It was, uh, it was surreal uh, just knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father finally. Uh, you know, I'm 33 years old when I had my first child. Um, you know, and, and it felt great, you know, just to sit around and uh, be around the family, sit on the couch, watch TV, uh, enjoy uh, a quarantine Father's Day. Uh, so it was great. I, lo- I loved it. I loved every moment of it. That's what's up, man. Brian? Um, outside of Rona being trash, uh, it was amazing. I had a great time. I didn't get no socks. Um, <laughs> <You> <laughs> I didn't get, get no tie. Socks. I didn't get no tri- I didn't get a tie. <laughs> 
<laughs> my wife and my daughter did a wonderful job. So it was great. But uh, to be honest, it was really surreal. It was a uh, I waited my whole life to celebrate Father's Day to be on the side of being a father. So it was a, it was a great day. I was just excited about it and uh, almost shed a tear. Y'all know I get emotional sometimes. So I almost cried. Mighty. I was going to say Marcus Thomas's song. I'm emotional. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't know, he looks just like Carl Thomas. I think they're, uh, <laughs> they're never seen them in the same room at the same never time. Never seen them in the same never room. They the are same the same time. person. Well, this is my eighth I, 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 Father's I, I, Day. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. I, I was gonna say. I will say that it, it was kind of weird that my pops called me on Father's Day before I could call him. So that that was that was pretty. That was pretty oh, surreal. My, my dad just sent me a text. <laughs> I don't have that testimony. At 11, at 11 o'clock. At 11 o'clock. We're going to get into that later. This was, <laughs> this was my, eighth, my eighth Father's Day, and it was, you know, by, by the time you get to this level, it's just like, thank you, children. I get out of my face. That's, that's the gift. It is the gift of peace. Oh, you want peace. And, and quiet, you know. Um, so let's dive straight into the conversation. Um, Chris, let's start with you, man. Just okay. from like the, the beginning, what is your definition of a father? Well, considering I have one on paper, um, my, my definition of a father would be someone who's a very present help. I guess that's what we say in, in, the, in the church. <laughs> yeah, a very present help. Um, someone who can teach you different things about how to be a man as far as dating, as far as finances, just as far as life goes in general. Um, coming from a single parent or single mother home, there's a lot of things that my mom can't teach me, whereas a father would be able to step in that gap and feel that void, feel that need. Right. Okay. Marcus? Yeah, so my my definition of a father is someone that uh, takes, care of, uh, takes care of their responsibility. Um, that's there, uh, not just from a financial standpoint, but not just there from a physicality standpoint, but someone that, that's there emotionally. Uh, that's there every step of the way, good, bad, or indifferent, uh, to take care of their responsibilities, take care of the child or children. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my uh, definition of a father. Brian, anything you want to add to that conversation? Yeah. They said it. Uh, a man who is there for his family, for his children, uh, and uh, teaches them what to do, how to do it. So I would could add too much to that. Yeah, that's like, I, I would agree. I remember when I first, um, we first found out we were pregnant with Josh and um, I was a senior in college and um, I was talking to one of the administrators <laughs> at Morehouse. I don't know why that's funny. Uh, well, I do. Um, talking to an administrator there at Morehouse and he was like, man, you know, he tried try to put me on game as if, you know, w on one end, I appreciated he wanted to give me advice. On the second end, I was, I felt disrespected that he automatically assumed that I didn't have a father. Because he was like, I want you to be everything that you always wanted from a dad. And I was oh, like, oh, Lord. <laughs> and I immediately responded. I said, you I had everything <laughs> I, ha I wanted in a dad because my dad was that. He was like. Oh, oh, JB. He was like, oh, yeah, like JB. JB Rogers. JB stands for nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, like, I mean, I, I had a really great dad, and I do know that, unfortunately, sometimes that's an anomaly in some circles, right? Um, everybody doesn't necessarily have the privilege of having their father in their lives or in the home, and I know that that is a privilege that I sit in. I think we talked about that, me and you, Brian. It's just yep. that sometimes, even as Black people, we have our own privileges, right. and it a lot of times influences how we navigate life. So right. with that being said, Brian, like 
how was the relationship or lack thereof, like give us the story, influence your growth, your relationship with your father? How did that influence your growth from a boy to where you are now as a father? Okay, so so uh, my me and my dad did not have a great relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents were married, got divorced when I was young. Um, parents, you know, didn't get along. So, of course, that made things a little difficult okay. as far as, you know, so we went over to the house on the weekends and stuff like that. My dad moved away to, like, Alabama, which is where my grandparents are from. And after that, I want to say I was, like, in sixth, seventh grade. So we had no contact, really, um, until right before I got married in 2010. So we'll say over 10 years, we didn't have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's what our relationship was. So we, it, so I would say, you know, I grew up fatherless. That would be my, um, and it may, you know, his feelings may be hurt if he hears this, but I grew up fatherless, let me say that. Okay. Um, so that was my backup, uh, my background. Um, but I guess to, to answer the question, the, that influenced my, our relationship influenced my life because I kind of had other individuals who were in my life that kind of helped me out to be who I am. Um, but I also knew what I wanted to be and who I wanted to be based off of the absence. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Marcus, you talked about your dad even texting you first. So what, what was the relationship between you and him? So I kind of have like a, a, a weird dynamic. Uh, so the first probably 19 years of my life, I did not have a relationship with my biological father. I call him my pops. Um, I was raised by, uh, by my stepdad. Um, he was in my life from the time I was five up until I was probably 26, 27 years of age. Yeah. Um, so, the, so the first part of my life, you know, I didn't have, I really didn't have a relationship with my biological father. I knew who he was, didn't have a relationship. Life happens. Um, and so then around the time I was getting ready to graduate from college, he and I started to build a bond in a relationship. And so then a few years after that, you know, because of some decisions that he decided he wanted to make, my stepdad and I had a falling out. Um, so now he and I don't even have a relationship. So like, we don't speak anymore. But mm-hmm. now my pop and I, my biological father, like we're thick as thieves, we're super close. Like if you didn't know our story, you would have thought that he's been in my life my entire life. Mm-hmm. So I had to get to a point to where I forgave him for everything that happened when I was a child and we don't even speak on it anymore. We don't even bring it up. It, it In my mind, it never happened. Um, so that's kind of where my relationship with my father is now. So like we have a great relationship. We talk all the time. Um, he's active in my life and my, you know, active with my, 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 my daughter, which is his granddaughter. Um, with my wife, you know, so like he's, since that time we've had that conversation and I forgave him, it's been perfect, you know, no issues. Uh, so, but having that duality of the person that raised you is no longer in your life anymore. And the person that gave you life um, at first wasn't in your life anymore. Well, what wasn't in your life from the jump it, uh, as a father for me, it's caused me to want to make sure that my daughter never goes through the things that I, I went through um, as a child. And so like, you know, I always said like, even if I had a, a, a child out of wedlock, like I was going to be there for that child, wasn't going to let the child experience the things that I experienced growing up without knowing my biological father. And um, yeah, so that's kind of just how it influenced me. And it makes me always want to be there for my daughter uh, through anything that she's going to go through in life. 
Okay. And I would even, it's interesting because I kind of have the same dynamic as both Brian and Marcus. One being that for Brian, he said his father, him and they didn't really have a relationship for a long time. Whereas Marcus' father wasn't present in the beginning, but now they're good. So mine is similar, whereas my father and I, we were close maybe for the first 13 years of my life. And it wasn't close to where it was like undeniable bond, um, but it was to the point where like, when I see you, it's love, we're good, we can hang out, we can do the Braves game, we can do the Hawks game, we can go to WCW and uh, watch some wrestling. <laughs> but then after 13, um, he actually got married and the conversation literally just like stopped. Like we yeah. weren't around each other. We weren't um, in communication at all. Um, and it, it, even today, it's a funny dynamic because he texted me not too long ago, a few months ago. But if you ask me about it, are we on that portion where we can talk about Father's Day? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so the funny thing is on Father's Day, I had it in the back of my mind that, okay, I'm going to text him today and tell him happy Father's Day. But I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But guess who I did text on Father's Day? My old pastor, author of uh, Mosley. Okay. I gave him a great the text bishop. message. The bishop. The bishop designate. Um, send him a message. Thank you for everything that you've done. Even some of the things that you taught me has impacted me greatly in my life today. But, but even to this day, like those have set with me and here we are. That's what's up, man. And what's, what's interesting, I don't think I've ever admitted this to you all, so this is a Jigsaw exclusive, is that sometimes, even within our circles, and um, my wife even has an interesting relationship with her father. I'll say it that way. I won't tell her business. I'll let her tell her testimony whenever she wants to live. Um, but sometimes I feel a guilt about having what I consider a good dad. And um, sometimes, like, you know, it's enough for JP to go around. Y'all can have them. Like y'all can share. <laughs> because it's like, you know, when I'm in those spaces and we're laughing and we're joking or we're sharing memories, you know, and I see like certain people get quiet and it's not like you are, you're bashful or you're shy. It's just like, well, I don't have really anything to contribute to this conversation. And then it leaves me in this space of almost like, well, well, dang, do I need to stop? talking about my pops um because we had a really dope relationship the interesting thing was is that the the older i got the better our relationship became uh, i felt for years that he didn't understand me and mainly because all of y'all know i'm not i don't re- i don't really like sports if it ain't the grizzlies or the memphis tigers i don't really care um <laughs> i just don't but he is like a sports like fanatic like every Sun like Cowboys. Mad, mad that the mad that church is long because he's trying to get home for the games. Ultimate San, San Antonio Spurs fan is just who he is, right? And we just didn't we just didn't click. And I felt like because we didn't click on that level, there were other ways. There was just not many other ways that we could click. But as we got older, I think he began to show show more support in what I did academically. I was in student government. I was into music. I was all these other things. And what I began to realize as I got older is that, you know, he was just that. He loved me because I was his son. There were no conditions to it. Like, I didn't have – I think I even tried to play football one time just to kind of like, I'm going to do this. And then he put me to the side like, you know you got asthma, right? 
<laughs> you will get like knocked into this ground <laughs> uh, just so you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, so like, I, I definitely understand. I don't like, I don't necessarily, I'm not going to say that I get it because I don't, but being a part of you guys' lives gives me a different perspective on, I guess, the, the range of what fatherhood can and cannot be. So this may be um, a difficult question. And we'll start with, uh, with Marcus, especially since you kind of had this kind of healing concept. In what ways do you see your father in you? So just to kind of go back a little bit. So I'm actually grateful that things happened the way that it did between my father and I. Yeah. Because it, got, it gave me a chance as I was a little bit older to get to know him. And because the reason why I reached out to him was like, hey, I want, I want to have a better relationship with you because I was at a point in my life where I was trying to find out why I was the way that I was. And I knew the only way for me to find that out was to go back to the source. And so once I started to build that relationship with my father, I realized that in a lot of ways, I was just like him, like a mm-hmm. likable person, very respected, never meets a stranger you know, that, that someone that's passionate, that's caring, um, someone that loves sports. And so the crazy part is, is that although like my father and my mom, they, they at the time they went on a, 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 a level to where they was communicating, my mom never talked bad about him. And my mom used to always tell me, she was like, you know, you're so much like Troy. She was like, it's scary. Like, you're just <laughs> like him. Like, you know, you're a stand-up person. You know, everybody loves you. You get along with everybody. She's like, you're just like him. And so even with my mom having that disposition yeah, and never talking bad about him made it easier for me to want to get to know him so I can find out, you know, more about who I am or who I was uh, at that time as a young man. So I see myself in him in a lot of ways, like my work ethic, uh, you know, we, we always gonna work. We always gonna, you know, go, go get a check. Um, and just like I say, you know, just being respected and just being that stand-up guy, uh, that's that's how I see myself uh, and, and my father. That's what's up, um, Chris. Is there, is there um, anything I, you see? Uh, <laughs> um, I see my personality and my father. Mm-hmm. Um, when we did hang out, everybody knows him, and I think when I go out, like a lot of people just know me for a multitude of reasons. <laughs> Um, but I definitely see my personality. Um, are we in the trust tree? We're in the trust tree? I'm going to put myself out there. Yeah, we're here. Um, <laughs> my mother has always said that uh, she sees me drinking like my dad because <laughs> he likes the Crown Royal. Okay. So <laughs> I have, you know, oh, taken a liking. I've taken a liking to Crown Royal. Um, apple, vanilla, peach. I sound, I sound like uh, Shirley Caesar. Beans, greens, potatoes. Yeah, I, got, <laughs> I, I like all those flavors. So I definitely see that in myself and our love for sports. Um, but that's about it. I don't see anything else in my father because I don't see him. So Got you. Okay. Okay. Brian? Um, oof, I, don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I can't even say yeah. there's something that reminds me. My mom says it all the time. But I can't look at him like, oh, I do that like him. Sadly, I just, I don't know. My mom says we have the same temperament, same personality, same moody behavior. But I really can't say that I know or can identify something that I feel like makes us similar. 
And you know what's what's in, what's a, an interesting thread about all three of your stories is that your mother has said, you know, you're this like your your dad, right? So specifically, let me, let me I'm gonna start with Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is is that frustrating, or has that been frustrating to be like? I'm so much like this dude. One, if I'm so much like him and you love me, why, you know, why y'all ain't still together? Or two, maybe like, um, why doesn't he want to be around? Why isn't he around if we're so much like each other? Like, like what were those thoughts or what were those feelings growing up? Growing up, it was like, it is what it is. I, mm-hmm. I never had any resentment towards him. Still don't to this day. I love him. Uh, I love him for who he is and what he did for my life. Um, but as far as like when my mother would say things like that, I never felt a type of way. It was just like, yeah, too bad. He couldn't see it. My thing has always been flipping things from a negative into a positive. Um, since he's not here to see my growth and my development, that's something that he missed out on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you as a father have to live with your, that you haven't been able to see your child grow from just someone who was in his mom's womb to now I'm married and I'm speaking into existence that next year on Father's Day, I will be able to say, hey, I'm a father. So that's something that he's just going to have to miss out on. That's something he's going to have to deal with. So that's his loss, not yours. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Marcus, did you feel that? Did you feel some kind of way that you were, you know, raised by one man, but always being told you mirrored another? So, no, um, I I wasn't really told that I mirrored another until I got older. Okay into my, my early 20s and i think the fact that i didn't ha- i didn't grow up with any resentment it was because of the way that you know if my mom ever felt the way towards my father she never said it in front of me mm-hmm. and and i've always grew up with the the idea of i'm never missing anything um uh, because i because god has given me something to replace it so at the time even though my father and i didn't have a, a, a relationship you know, God had put, you know, my stepdad in my life at that period of time. So I, I never felt like I've missed anything. And so, and even so now, um, you know, from back in 2009, when my, my dad and I started to build our relationship, even after we got the chance to get to know each other and everything, I still felt like I didn't miss anything because it's like, you know, we're building something special and beautiful now. And I believe that God does all things well. So everything happened the way that it was supposed to happen. So I've never felt like I missed anything. Yeah. So um, if if y'all haven't picked up already, we are all like brothers and closest and best friends or whatever. Um, So this next question is going to be one that, you know, I have previous knowledge to all of y'all married women who had pretty good relationships or great relationships with their fathers. Right. How, how has that influenced, I guess, how you respond as a father or even as a man? Brian, specifically, because, you know, Lauren is a daddy's girl. She's the only girl, um, you know, and she, she brags about her pops, you know, consistently. So, Brian, specifically to you, man, how has that influenced your relationship with, you know, with your daughter, new daughter, eight months old, right? Um, ooh, it's interesting because I'm going to say this. My father-in-law is the best man, like one of the best men I know, one of the best people I know. Um, so the, it was, I, I'm glad that my wife has a good father because it allowed me to also have something to strive for. Okay. Um, so it made me be a stronger husband. Um, uh, but also my wife can really appreciate the father I am because she, she has a great father. 
Um, so I think I, I'm a better man, better husband, and a better father because my wife had a great father. Okay. Chris? Well, um, <laughs> the wonderful Keanu Wicks. I'm, I'm in the same boat with um, Brian Hare. Um, Keanu Wicks Moore um, also has Superman as dad. Um, old Otis. Mr. O is what I call him. Um, that sounded inappropriate. Um, edit this part out. <laughs> Please. Time stamp it, if you will. Um, <laughs> um, but he is, Mr. O is Superman. He literally is Mr. Handyman, Mr. Come to me for financial advice, Mr. Mr. Know-it-all, but in a good way, not in a, you know, smart alley kind of way. Um, so it has been, it's been an adjustment because of my growing up, I didn't have that father figure. However, he doesn't make me feel any type of way. He doesn't make me feel, he doesn't belittle me at all. It's like, well, you didn't know. So here I am. And we do things together. Uh, we mounted my TV together. We've done things around our house together. Uh, so it's been a great relationship. Uh, it's been fun. It's been interesting. It's been learning for sure. Uh, I believe I've learned some things from him that would help me uh, with my family. Okay. Marcus? Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to tell her story, but, you know, my, I, I can't say, that, you know, my wife and her dad, their relationship was strained for a little while. Um, now, kind of like my relationship with my father, they have a her and her dad have a great relationship now, and um, you know he's he's her her Superman. So, and my my wife, uh, she's the only child, and so you know she's she's used to you know she's that daddy's girl, used to uh, you know kind of getting what she wants when she wants it, uh, and so uh, with me now also. <laughs> and so uh with, with with me having a, a eight month old daughter as well um it's kind of impacted me because i'm kind of just like bracing myself like okay i see how my wife interacts with her dad and kind of gets her way so how is hannah gonna try to do that to me when she gets older so you oh, know hannah, i'm just trying to pick up on these little <laughs> oh, yeah, so, but, uh, but uh i'm just trying to pick up on these little nuances and uh kind of just know the hustle uh, so I'm prepared uh, when, when my daughter's 20, 30, 40 years old and still coming to daddy for certain things. Yeah. So like for me, I guess it's, it's, it's different. Like I said, I won't tell Asha's story, um, but I think because of the interesting dynamic that she has with her father, there's a lot of pressure on me to be a really good dad. Um, and sometimes it feels unfair because I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the best daddy I can be. I'm, I'm going to be Josh. Um, but I feel like there is this sometimes pressure that I feel um, to make sure that I'm going over and beyond. And it's not it's not a bad pressure. It, it, to me, it actually in some ways pushes me to be better. Um, it pushes me to be more caring because as much as my dad was a great dad, he wasn't he's not super emotional. He is now because he's getting older. And I think that just comes with age and, you know, all that. Kind of, like, we went protesting. The man of God texted and called me every single day up until that Friday and was making sure that we were alive, we were staying safe, texting Asha, telling her to be careful, checking on his grandkids. So he's like that guy now. But growing up, I mean, he was emotionally there, but he wasn't always emotionally expressive. So I think some of the pressure that I have from Asha that I feel sometimes is to be a lot more expressive in ways that – Sometimes it's kind of uncomfortable because it's just not what I got, right? I was affirmed as smart. 
I was affirmed as, you know, handsome. I was affirmed as respectful, but not necessarily, oh, Josh, we love you. We care for you. Like, I knew they loved me and they said it, but it wasn't like a, like, I, like Josh and Jaden would come up to me and just kiss me. And just Jaden would literally crawl in my bed and lay on me in the morning. I'd be like, dude, get away from me. But at the same time, <laughs> like, we've kind of built this expectation of affection between father between father and son so i guess i guess the next question just piggybacking off of that chris is it intimidating sometimes to be in the presence of mr o um when you or when you see keon and her dad around each other like is that intimidating to say man i didn't have that or i don't have that or i hope that i can be that um it's not intimidating it's inspirational mm-hmm. um one thing i learned uh from one of my father figures in life uh, who basically had the same situation. He didn't have a father grow, growing up, but he had a stepfather. And I always asked him, like, how, how did you want to be a dad? And he told me he always, in his mind, his thing was, I, wanted, I want to be the dad that I always wanted. So that kind of mm-hmm. thing just stuck with me forever. So yeah. even when I have kids, I can take pieces of that take pieces that I've learned from Mr. O and just my own experiences and be the father that I would have always wanted. Um, I definitely take inspiration from TV ads, uh, Michael Kyle being one from my wife and kids um, and say what you want, but Cliff Huxtable, Cliff Huxtable was a great dad. Um, And even taking another, the character. character. That's why I said Cliff Huxtable. I didn't say Bill. (laughs) I didn't say Peel Cosby. Yeah, we, um, we, I didn't say to, him. We try to separate the art. He clipped. Jesus Christ. Yes. So, and um, even to take it a step further, uh, my favorite show is Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So, although Uncle Phil wasn't Will's dad, he was still Carlton's dad, and the element that he had, um, the element that he gave as a father figure and as an uncle, those are some things that I keep too. So, I get my inspiration from father figures my past own experiences my father-in-law and tv dads got you marcus is there is there any way that you've like how you've seen that blossom with your wife and her dad is that has that been Im- intimidation or inspiration for you that's been inspirational for me because it's like you know i want anybody to uh you know have a relationship with their father you, you know their their natural father like you know i, I want mm-hmm. that no, and, and i want people to have a relationship with the spiritual father i want that too but, you know, from from a natural standpoint, you know, I want anybody, any and everybody to have a relationship with the natural father because I think that's important. It's needed. Um, and uh, it, 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 it helps. It helps. I feel like it helps you from an emotional standpoint to have that relationship uh, with your father. So, no, I wasn't, I, I wasn't, never will be uh, intimid- intimidated by that. I actually encourage that. Um, you know, I encourage her, you know, hey. You know, go to Fayetteville this weekend. Go go see your dad. You know, it may be a two hour drive, but go do it. You know, because I know me. Get out this house. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> no. that's, that's what he's saying, Chris. <laughs> I hear him. I hear him. Personal time. Cause I, I see you. Because I because I, I know me. Like you know, hey, you know, I I can get in the car, drive two two and a half three hours to go see my pops. I'm gonna go do it. Um. So. Right. No, I I, I would never be intimidated by that relationship by by no means. So speaking of, and I'm going to start with Brian, um, the intimidation versus inspiration factor. And you brought up something great in Uncle Phil. We're going to play One Gotta Go. And I took Uncle Phil off the list because he's the one everybody's going to keep. He's like one of the greatest TV dads of all time. Um, But I will say, just looking at that show, 
he was he's better known as Uncle Phil than Carlton's dad. So mm. like if, if you really think about it, like I mean, we know Carlton was there, but you know him as Uncle Phil. And mainly because the show was centered around Will, but you like it's kind of right. interesting that that ain't his dad. That's he I mean, he had three whole kids. And his right. like <laughs> the premise of who it like, definitely wasn't his daddy. Right. The premise of how he existed really was all about him being a really great uncle more so than him being a really great father. So, like, let's really, like, Brian, let's talk through, like, that concept of, I guess, surrogate fathers, this whole father figure and what role they really play in, like, in, in, in our lives. Um, I actually had an Uncle Phil. Okay. Um, mom's older brother, my Uncle Lewis, uh, he was the person, like, he was, like, the person that stepped in um, when I needed this surrogate the most. Um, he was my football coach. He was my basketball coach. He um, taught me about um, uh, on the last time I was on the show, on the couch that is talking about blackness. He taught me about blackness. He taught me about African history. He taught me about just everything about being a man. Um, he was one of the only men that I actually respected or yeah. would listen to. Um, so I had an uncle Phil, and even to this day, if I go to California. I'm going to stop everything I have to do to go by his house. Or if he called me right now and said, hey, I need X, Y, Z, I'm going to stop everything that I'm doing yeah. um, to make sure he got what he has. If I ever, you know, made a billion dollars, he's getting a bit, you know, he's getting something. You know what I mean? Like he's that guy who um, has been super clutch in my life. I love him to death. Um, like I can't say anything negative about him. Like he was just the person that really, uh, took me under his wing, uh, yeah. man, spent so much time with me. I just love him. So I had Uncle Phil, and I think that's important to anybody to have if, if you don't have your biological father there. Um, other men, they don't got to be dating your moms. They don't have to be your uncle. They can be somebody there that can step in and be your father or be a mentor or be somebody you can look up to. So I had that in my Uncle Lewis. And that's, that means a lot coming from Brian because y'all know Brian don't like authority. At all. <laughs> he, don't like, yeah. he don't like taking directions from nobody. <laughs> At all. He can tell me. He can tell me something right now. I'm like, okay. Interesting. And 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 I guess Chris, you kind of said it without saying it that you had the moment. You you just said you kind of had. You just had your moment on the jigsaw that Will Smith had in that infamous scene. Like he missed out on my stuff. That's his fault. Like you you just had that moment maybe 15 <laughs> minutes ago. Before you rewind. Right. Teens. <laughs> um. So the question that you know I want to pull from that for you specifically is that. Did did that lack of, I guess, biological parental presence, did it make you intimidate, or not necessarily intimidate, that's not where, resent manhood or men at some point in your life? No. Um, my mother raised me in the church. So fortunately for me, I had an outlet. Yeah. Usually people growing up from where I came from and in my particular situation being a single mother Oakland home, City. They, Oakland City, to be exact. Spots. Campbellton Road. Call me Jeezy Hamilton, flying down Campbellton. Um, but yeah, is because I was able to be involved in church, I didn't have that alternative to go to the streets and get involved there. So granted, while Monday through Monday through Saturday, I would be in the neighborhood playing basketball or whatever, I was also the kid that the people in the community was like, 
Chris, there's something better for you. Like, don't get involved in all this. I played basketball with drug dealers. They were like, Chris, at this time, you need to leave. And I would leave. So fortunately, I was able to um, be involved in church. It, where in church, my mother had me around the deacons, had me around Deacon Green. <laughs> <laughs> Deacon Bay. Um, uh, no, um, not at all. <laughs> He's a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> He's a pervert. This <laughs> is gonna be on that way. <laughs> Man, wow. That okay. Um, so yeah, my mother um was like making sure I was around the deacons when it was uh, men's fellowship times, uh making sure that <laughs> I was able to learn from my pastor and just get that knowledge from there. And that's super important to have those those mentors because even though I talk about, oh, Deacon Green is an inside joke. Don't 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 worry about us. He's not a real pedophile or anything like that. But it is it's, it's not a real pervert. Joke. Not a real pervert. Uh, we would not glorify. No, oh, yes, he is. <laughs> no, he's. I, I don't know that to be true. <laughs> I will not silence you, and I will not gaslight you, Chris. That is not who I am. <laughs> uh, I would. I would not deny your truth but okay um but it yeah. ain't my truth i didn't live it <laughs> speak your truth this is, king this is not speak where this truth, is supposed king. to be going <laughs> but, my apologies i'm sorry this is not my no. show this is the yeah. jigsaw I'm trying to figure this uh, thing but out. no but seriously though i do think it's super important like even if i had a very active present father and like my dad didn't go to college so there were ways that he was limited even if it was just preparing me more like he taught me how to be a man how to survive like when i came to college you know save your money do this do that do that but just navigating the application process fafsa i mean the man was clueless right so i had teachers and i had other people who really invested in me in that way so even though i had a father i still had father figures and then like my dad like i told y'all he would get upset when church was going long because he wanted to get home you know, to watch the game. So even from a spiritual perspective, like my dad, like is the guy who sits at the table now and reads his Bible with his glasses tilted down on his nose and all that. But growing up, he wasn't like completely in tune with church like that. And, and that was fine. But I had a really great relationship with my home pastor who still calls me his spiritual son. Um, and I can still rely on him for some really foundational truths. So I, I think it's super, super important, regardless of, you know, whether you have a present father or not, you know what I'm saying? To really be, um, you know, to really seek out and have those other kind of father figures because they can really fill spaces, right, that you need. Um, it helps us to be um, evolved in a certain way. Speaking of evolving, Marcus, how have you seen the shift of fatherhood evolve over the years, right? So, like, even in television, we see characters like James Evans, who's like, you know, go get the belt, I'm gonna beat you, you know, all that kind of stuff, super prideful, all the way up to the Andre Johnsons on Blackish, who are very emotional and, you know, into self and, you know, kind of not James Evans, let me say it that way. So, like, they're two totally, completely different ends of the spectrum. And in between there, we see Cliff Huxtable, we see Carl Winslow, we see um pop wayans who is a character i would say like we see all these versions of fatherhood like just let's just talk through that evolution period and what you think good bad or indifferent it has done for society and the perception of fathers 
I will say I think Pop Williams doesn't get the the respect that he deserves as a thank you. Father. He gets all the respect. Thank you. Rest in peace, Pops. Rest in peace. And I, I'd also want to say Andre Johnson. I think he's going to go down the Hall of Fame once it's all said and done, because uh, Blackish is an incredible show. But um, the evolution of it, if you think about it, uh, if you go back to like Good Times with James Evans, man, it was kind of like he was. Um, well, during that particular time period, it was like he was like that woe is me type of father. Like, you know, nothing ever goes my way. You know, I'm going to come home. Uh, you know, it's, you know, uh, fire brimstone. I'm the man. You can do what I say. Yada, yada, yada. But then if you go to, you know, if we go to Carl Winslow, you know, he's a he's a uh, easygoing dad, still firm, uh, still, you know, very present in his, in his children's lives, kind of let, allowing them to kind of be themselves for the most part. Um, then, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about Uncle Phil and how he was. But then if you go to the Andre Johnson, it's kind of like, you know, okay, cool. You know, I got to be cool and hip to keep up with my children because so much is changing in the world. You got yeah. social media, you know, you, you got all these different things going on. So I got to be cool enough to where my kids would want to talk to me so I could be uh, still be present in their lives and be able to keep up with them. So I think that's kind of like how the evolution of the father is changing uh, even now, it's like, you know, we got to be here. We got to know what, what what's the new rapper that's out or what's the new, uh, the, you know, new TikTok thing that's going on or or whatever the case may be. It can't be that, you know, oh, we're in our 40s and 50s and we're just old and stuck in our ways. No, because the world is changing. So we got to be able to keep up with those with those different changes that's going on. So, you know, we can know like what our kids are thinking because so many kids these days are dealing with depression, uh, dealing with peer pressure. Um, and all these different things. And if we're not quote unquote hip enough to where yeah. our kids feel comfortable enough to come and talk to us, then we're not going to know anything that's going on in their life because having conversations at the dinner table is non-existent these days because everybody's on the go. Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to be able to have some sort of connection uh, with your child uh, in 2020 and even beyond because by the time, like my like I said, my daughter's eight months, by the time she turns 16, the world is going to be changing even more so than it is now. So, right. and when she's 16, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 50. So I got to stay, I got to stay on top of my game and try to keep up about what, keep up with what's going on. So I can still be, you know, relevant to what's happening in her life at that time. Can I just pause and thank God that by the time that I'm 50, my kids will be grown, grown, like <laughs> grown, grown. <laughs> like when Slow I'm 40, clap. Josh will be 18. <laughs> David will Slow be 15. Clap. And I, you know, we will be listen, young and our prime and not worry about these little raggedy kids. Um, but no, but no, Slow that's that's, that's you know, we, <laughs> we kind of like the Soma Warrior Oats. <laughs> listen, listen, thanks for song for I'm me at, twi- at 21. <laughs> 21. <laughs> Shot that club up. Um <laughs> But no, uh, uh, let me no, say I, I was sewing them. I was, I, I was sewing them, but they wouldn't be in water. <laughs> oh Jesus oh, Christ! Trust tree, trust tree. Plan B. Um, <laughs> and we're moving for breakfast. <laughs> Um, but no, but no, I think, I think, I, I think you said, I think you said some great stuff. And that was like this, how the evolution has shifted. And even if we, and even though we've, we've seen it on TV as well, like the progression of father. So Chris, I'm gonna throw it to you because you, you know, you are, you sometimes exhibit performative behavior on social media. Do you think that, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I don't even know how to take that. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that little shade though in, in there. But no, seriously though, is there a pressure though, seeing like the Andre Johnsons, like that's kind of the most recent black father that we have on television. Is there any pressure? Because you see him do a lot of performative things. Um, like I think he genu- gen- genuinely loves shoes and stuff like that, but a lot of stuff he does is for show and to be the cool dad right. and to not be blah, blah, yeah. blah. So do you feel any pressure to like, once you have a child to be like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the cool dad on the street. I'm going to be Mr. Chris or Mr. C, like all this kind of things. Like, <laughs> is there any pressure for you to like perform once you become a dad? So I am naturally dramatic. Um, I am true. extra. However, true. at the same time, one thing that I can identify <laughs> with <laughs> myself and Andre is that he has this battle within himself of because he grew up rough, but now he's made it. They're in the nice house. They're in a nice neighborhood. So I feel like that would be my struggle more than anything because I already know I'm going to be the cool dad. I'm just a cool guy. Okay. Um, so my battle just comes in like me growing up in the struggle, quote unquote, versus my kids not having to and being being exposed to so much more than I had growing up. So would that create an issue? Uh, would that create some type of uh, not so street smart, whereas mm-hmm. they get the comments? Well, they'll get common sense. They'll get book smarts. But when it comes out to just being out in the world, would they know how to maneuver and operate? Those, that's where I see my pressure. And let's take it a step further, Brian. Like, would you, are you, I guess, somewhat, I guess, concerned about Brooklyn not knowing like hood life or um, the streets or, you know what I'm saying, anything that you like grew up with? Brooklyn gonna have the uh, West Side Connection playing in the car. <laughs> You'll be growing up, yeah, cheaty, bro, cheaty, bang, bang. I mean, because I mean, because Brian, we talked about it. We talked about it on your episode where, like, you live in the suburbs. Like, it's 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 Whitey McWhiteville over there. And so, like, is there any like any concerns about like is she going to be really exposed to black culture outside of our house? I do have concerns to a degree. Of, so, so me and my wife, we super black. Um, yeah. Our friends are super black. Yep. Um, but the environment that we live in is not super black. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, we're going to have to be overly um, overly intentional when it comes as far as exposing her to blackness um, uh, and also kind of make sure, like Chris said, that um, not necessarily, I don't want her to be street smart, but I want her to be savvy. You know what I mean? Yeah, as far as good. don't let that's some good. don't let some dudes run game on you. You know what I'm saying? You won't have yours. You won't have your own car, your own house. You won't have everything you right. need um, and want. So um, I'm going to try to make sure you're up on game. Um, and the funny thing is her mom didn't, her mom wasn't from the streets. So that's a whole nother, and yeah. it comes to parenting, is I came from the street. Lauren <laughs> and came from Rose of Emporia. Right. She, <laughs> the grassroots she of Emporia. Whole different, <laughs> yeah. Right. We had two different upbringings. So yeah. that's the thing. It's kind of like, I'm going to be able to hopefully give her some of the uh, 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 how to be savvy, uh, but then also expose her to all the finer things in life uh, to where she won't have to really know how to be savvy, but she's going to be savvy. I think it's that duality. Like, you know, you want to raise your child in a safe environment, but at the same time, you don't want your child to forget or to not know where or a lot of her people come from. 
Yeah. Like, you know, I wasn't I wasn't raised in the hood either. Like I grew up in the suburbs in a predominantly white town. And like, but I'm fortunate enough to know like I knew I knew that I was black. Yeah. You know, I still had, you know, uh the opportunities to kind of experience, you know, some 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 uh things that some of uh, my friends were go- uh, some of the areas my friends were growing up in that, w- that was mm-hmm. rough. Yeah. Like, you know, my aunt was the executive director at a community center that was in the roughest neighborhood in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And so I used to go and hang out with her there. And so like, I got to be in the hood, but I wasn't of the hood per se. And so like, that's the thing, like, even for like my daughter, like, you know, she's not going to grow up in the hood. But, you know, through certain music, she's going to learn about it. Through certain movies, she's going to learn about it. So, like Brian yeah. said, so like, you know, she won't get hustled. She won't get hustled when, yeah. she, when she's older. So, I'm going I'm to give it a game. Like, I'm going to take her out the country. I'm, you know, so no, no, no little dusty little head, little boy thing. <laughs> try to hustle her by taking her to Miami thinking that she's Old having a vacation. Joker. <laughs> like, no. Like, I'm going to Atlanta for the weekend. Yeah, you get going to Atlanta for the weekend. No, uh-uh, you did that. She did that already as a child. Like, she's, my goal is, you know, to buy her the Gucci and stuff like that. So she ain't easily impressed by that stuff. Like, you got to come harder than that. Man, but please. That, man, that's, <laughs> I ain't bought nothing like that for my own wife, let alone my kid. <laughs> um, but, you know, but that's what's up. But the wife got to get that too. Eventually. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that's low. No, I, I understand. Because I didn't grow up in the suburbs, but I didn't grow up in the hood. I grew up in like, for all my people listening in Atlanta, Atlanta's like comparable Camp Creek, I would say, kind of like a, a, a decent area for upper middle class black folk. Right. And mm. so my high school was predominantly black. My, now, my mom grew up in the projects like. Claybor Homes for all my Memphis people who are listening, like <laughs> the projects. And my dad grew up in this real small town um, across, across the water, West Memphis, Arkansas. So I kind of had like this duality of like kind of what Brian is talking about in a sense where I had a small town parent then I had this parent that grew up in like the inner city that kind of brought us into the upper middle class, middle class neighborhood and kind of raised us that way. So while I wasn't necessarily exposed to the hood, my mama always said, don't you go into the hood acting like you lost. Don't be looking like you scared. But like she's like, she gave, like she put me on game. You know what I'm saying? And mainly because like our church was in the hood. A lot of like, we knew people who lived in like some rough parts of town and she just talked. And I was spending night over their houses, like cousins and stuff. Um, Well, you know, Cousins, you know, mama best friend is your right. them your cousins, right? Um, they lived in rougher parts of town. Like she would right. just teach me how to navigate myself in those neighborhoods around those people. So I would as as we as she would call it, I wouldn't seem green, right, to what was right. going on. You know what I'm saying? I think like another thing, I just don't want my kid to be lame. Like I don't want them to be growing <laughs> up. They playing yeah, a game. Yeah, like we let's let's just put it out there. We've played games and then we've had that one person like I've never heard of that. Or what is that? I don't want it to be like one got to go and SWV is up there, TLC, In Vogue, and Destiny's Child is up there. I don't want you to be like, in, who's In Vogue? I'm like, I don't, I'm not an In Vogue fan. I ain't got the album, but I know who they are. I know they was on the Wayne show. Free so I, I just don't want to say In Vogue. I, 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 yeah, I don't want I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't the Lane Kid. In Vogue got to go. In Vogue do got to yeah, go. Yeah, In Vogue got to go, for sure. In Vogue got to go. In Vogue got to go. In Vogue got to go. Like, it's a toss-up between In Vogue and TLC for me, but we, we, that's, that's not what this episode is oh, about. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> okay. That's not what this episode right. is about. But okay, okay. 
<laughs> Sounds like we got to play the one got to go. Waterfalls? Waterfalls? Okay. Um, <laughs> we, we ain't going to go. We ain't going to go down that rabbit hole, Brian. But, no, I definitely understand. Like, because I teach – I teach Josh and Jaden specifically a lot of things about black culture. When Josh did oh, his first, yeah, you know my kids. I call them No Limit Soldiers. When Josh did his first official um, black history project, I told him, I told Asha, MLK, Rosa Parks, like Harry Tubman, Malcolm X, all those people are off, off, off the list. And it yep. does not, I am not discrediting what they did for society or anything like that. But it's more. It's so much more. And that's, and they're going to get, especially my kids go to, uh, predominantly white, really mixed, culturally diverse schools. And I know for Black History Month, that's what they're going to get. They're going to get this very watered-down version that gives them MLK and all that different kind of stuff. And my mom made true. it a point to make, when I did my Black History Project, it has to be, I, I could not do the same person the next year, and it had to be somebody kind of obscure. And this year, I made Josh do um, A. Maceo Walker, the first Black millionaire in Memphis. And like, we just, I went, I went to that middle school. So it was just so much that I could pour into him about that. And his teacher was like, man, I didn't even know who, you know, who this guy was. So, you know, so to that point, I make, it a, I make it a point to really push Josh and Jaden. Like, Jaden will tell you, he'll walk in a store at Christmas time and be like, that ain't my Santa. My Santa's black. He actually told White Santa at the mall that because <laughs> Santa, he told Santa what he wanted. <laughs> and Santa was like, you know, we'll see if you act good. He's like, it's okay. Black Santa gonna get it for me. Like Jaden, Jaden is black. <laughs> Jaden is black. He knows his Jesus is black. His Santa is black. His tooth fairy is black. Everybody's black. But I really make it a, a point to expose them to culture. Like when the black Spider-Man came out, all those different types of things. Like I wanted them to see representation of themselves because that was stuff that we never saw. We didn't have a, the closest thing we had was what the black the black power ranger um and you know blank right. man and all like that. Uh, <laughs> and meteor man yeah meteor man you know but I'm, but i'm talking about like major characters that's like box office right. it's like black panther and things like that you black know? man yeah you know what i'm saying so <laughs> i, I think I think it's super important. Y'all made some good points about exposing your children and being that type of father that gives them, um, you know, duality and diversity. And when they do get older, because I'm raising sons, right? And I don't want you to be easily impressed by just a big booty. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, look at it, it, admire it, do all that. But I I want you to want more. And I want you, if she, if she buy you a pair of J's or a game, like, be like, I used to get J's and games all the time. You got you to step your game up, mom. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's like, I, I want, even for my sons, I want them to expect more out of relationships, out of friendships, and how they navigate the space. So, as we get ready to wrap up, um, this has been a really double conversation. I'm going to go Marcus, Chris, Brian. What advice or what conversation would you have with your childhood self about some expectations? What would you tell yourself about expectations of a father? what to expect from a father, what not to expect. I would tell myself um, that it's okay to not be perfect, that it's okay uh, to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. to hurt, uh, because, I mean, a lot of you guys don't know, my my daughter was born at 24 weeks. She spent three months in the hospital, and that was probably the the toughest time of my life uh, last year. So so I would definitely tell myself that it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to hurt. Um, then I will also tell myself, um, be prepared to not get a full night's rest for quite some time. <laughs> Real. Um, I I told Josh this a long time ago, or when he first started this podcast. There's always a moment in the podcast where he asks a question, and you're like, "Man, that's a good one," and you have to like really think on it. Um, and that's that's this moment 
Um, it was a really good question. What I would tell my younger, what, what I would tell my childhood self about fatherhood is that fatherhood comes in different um, forms. It's not going to come just from your father. There are different men who bring different things to the table yeah. where you can pick things from, where you can glean from. Um, I, yeah, I was, I will stick to, stick to that. Okay. Brian, want to wrap us up? Um, yeah. Um, I would tell my younger self that you are enough, um, that you're valuable. Um, it's not your fault. Um, oftentimes, oftentimes, uh, when our parents break up, you assume that it's your fault as you're the reason why, you know, your parents broke up. It's not your fault. But then as a parent, I would say, um, you got this. Um, it's going to be better than you ever imagined. Um, you have a village uh, and, and continue to be the best person that you always wanted. That's what's up. And, you know, for me, I would even tell, you know, young Josh that you are loved, you are seen, you are valued, um, and you're safe. And like I said, I felt like my dad was all of those things, but because he wasn't the most emotional man, you know, it wasn't always that conversation, but we spent a ton of time with each other. And it's just looking back, I saw how I didn't have to, because a lot of times I think, and I talked through this in therapy and I'll expose this is that I felt like I had to show them, approve my love through my performance. So every time I brought home those straight A's like, Hey, love me. You know, every time I did something really great and what I've learned as I've grown me and my dad has shifted from, I mean, we're still father, son. I still respect him like to the utmost, but we've shifted more so to a friendship level too. Um, and what I've seen is that I don't have to perform for him to love me. I don't have to perform for him to support and all this because he's the one gets on me like when i write my blog um jay word didn't come out today where's it um you know he's like he's looking for he's looking for ways to support and to still be there uh even when me and asher first got married uh, we were broke broke and when we went to memphis to pick up our kids after our little unofficial honeymoon staycation like the first thing we did was add asher to his family plan because i couldn't afford to put on no i couldn't afford to pay no phone bill um, so just, Listen. <laughs> just knowing that I had that kind of father who was like, you know, I'm going to do this even in adulthood, you know what I'm saying? And not hold it over me. Like, like I need a plan for when y'all going, you know, once this money gets right, but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, you know what I'm saying? Still being that father and like me not having to prove or to do anything to receive the love that I needed from him. So we're going to round this thing out with a one got to go. Uh, I've been struggling with um, a list of fathers to put on the list, but I think I've got four who are pretty comfortable. I will say I took uh, Heathcliff and Uncle Phil off um, because I just feel like, you know, Heathcliff as a, as a, as a TV dad and Uncle Phil as a TV dad, father figure are just like the upper Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're Mount Rushmore. So these four, I think, gives a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. These four give a little bit more of a, um, some similarities. So we're going to do it how I've seen it done. We're going we gonna to talk about the three that we're keeping. We're going to, you know, who stays on first, and we're going to go through elimination, right? So your four choices are Andre Johnson from Blackish. You got Pop, Pop Williams from the Wayne Brothers. You got, uh, <laughs> you got Frank Mitchell from Moesha. And then you got Michael Kyle. Mm, mm. Frank Mitchell got to go. He ain't take care of his kids. He ain't take care of his kids. Dorian was his child. He ain't take care of him. Off top. Okay. 
Right, yeah. Off top, Frank, Frank Mitchell got to go. Okay, why? He was a deadbeat. He had uh, Dorian <laughs> and then had say somebody it, pretending it like he was somebody else's child. He can go. Okay. Wait, I would take I would take Robert Towson from Parenthood before I took Frank Mitchell. Ooh. Know what? That's probably a good one, yeah, too. That's actually a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I would too. I probably would take even take Carl Winslow over Frank Mitchell. If we're just talking about like we're talking about dads, Chris, not the show. I know you don't care for family matters. We're just talking about fatherhood, right? Like I'm not putting Carl Winslow in there because he didn't look for Judy and he's a cop. (laughs) Now that was that was poor writing. They ain't got nothing to do with Carl. Judy Judy life's matter. Judy. This time we Judy saw Judy. She, so she this time we saw porn. Judy. She was in an X-rated movie. You would not all lives matter this fatherhood conversation. I think I think when you take because in comparison to um, the rest of the three fathers, um, yeah, Frank Mitchell just don't. He, he just he just don't. He just don't compare. He just don't compare. I mean, uh, Pops gave you that 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 toughness, that sternness, but still in a funny, loving way. Yeah. Um, that still made him relatable to his to his sons. He definitely talked um, about sex. He he definitely did. He definitely did. You know, He's even the with the mother that Brian we never saw. Favorite gift. <laughs> Pops <laughs> is Brian's. That's his spirit animal. Yit the D. And then Andre Johnson. He just. Andre Johnson really is cool. Like he's just that he's just that cool he's just that cool dude. Like he's he's swaggy. I'm and um, who's a who's a th- Michael and then Michael Kyle. That's my, my mind, Michael favorite Kyle TV is dad. one of the goats. It's the uh, goat. He's the goat. I, he's the I, he's goat not a of goat. TV dads. He's not a goat. <sighs> he's he's excuse me. I don't think he's Michael a goat. Kyle. He's not a goat. Michael Kyle. Yes. Michael Kyle yeah. is up there. Michael Kyle was insecure michael kyle was immature michael kyle was the essence of what i would not want to be in a father at all outside of maybe how he disciplined his children in a creative way but beyond that he was he was more he was more goofy and minstrel than he was like even a great father and i said that he was a jigaboo of dads if we're going to really go oh my god my stars the gall Frank Mitchell may have been oh. a headbeat, but he was he wasn't putting on blackface. But okay, Frank Mitchell oh. was good to his to he was good to Moesha in my house. <laughs> he just was terrible when it came to Dorian. He just played Dorian. that situation all wrong. Go ahead, Chris. Unclutch your pearls. <laughs> Can't believe you said Michael Cow. <laughs> you the reason why I love Michael Cow is because I can see myself being Michael Cow, just being the way he disciplined the kids. Give yourself more. The credit. way he, <laughs> I mean, I will be creative like that because I'm petty. Time That's petty. Although I know petty. it's gonna piss my wife off. That's why I do that anyway. <laughs> at this point in my life, what you gonna? You either gonna be mad at me or divorce me. Pick one. <laughs> you are gonna stay with me. So you just gonna be mad. So I can live with that. Um, and I can see like some ways Michael Cal is just like okay, whatever. He ain't it. Like I didn't like the way that he treated Junior, but at the same time, he did give uh, he did give affirmation to Junior at times after the baby. I think that's where it really came in. Mm-hmm. But before that, you didn't really see it. Um, 
he's he's goofy he's silly he has a interesting relationship with his wife um i like michael cow out of all these people michael cow staying everybody else yeah well one got to go frank mitchell everybody else can stay i mean, i agree i think if i had to it's hard because I don't really like Michael Kyle, and then I'm not – I could care less about Frank Mitchell. So it's really – I feel that. I'm going to say something different. Dre is present, but he's not present. I'm with you. He shades Junior a lot, too. He definitely shades Junior. Like, he's – like, there was one episode where he was – like, he realized he didn't know anything about his kids. You're there. You live in house with them, but you don't know the information. You don't know what they care about. You ain't never uh, participated in any PTA activities. You ain't never really been present. So, like, and he's more extra than Michael Kyle, if we're being honest. Different spectrums of extra, but definitely very extra. Yeah. Okay. Different kinds of because you because the Wayans in general are just this like tough kind of explosive comedy expression. Um, Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. Andre. You know, um, what's it? Anthony Anderson's character rather um, displays his extraness through his selfishness and just how he, I don't know, he's very performative as well. Like he wants to show up to be the glam dad, and that's really it. It's not like he had a lot invested in, um, to me, fatherhood. I mean, because he visibly pointed out favorites like Zoe, like he, like, he openly said, I love Zoe the most, and you know, the right. way he treats Junior <laughs> and you know, the way they just have no expectations for the young twin. What's his name? Um, Miles. Miles. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. his real name. Um, but yeah, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Him. So, you know, it's just, I don't Jack. know. Jack. Jack is, Jack is his name on the TV show. There that's, he is. That's right. There he is. So, I mean, all four of them. And then Pops is just, we see Pops in a real friend. I think we see him in a, in a role where he didn't really have children. Like, they were adults. So um, it's, it's interesting to kind of assess his fatherhood against the others, even though I think he still showed a role as a father, don't get me wrong, but it's just the mm-hmm. dynamics on the show versus the others were different. Marcus? He definitely didn't show a role as a husband because we never saw, never saw that woman. Never saw that woman. <laughs> never saw her. Yeah, yeah, no, we never, we never saw her. I was starting to question if he was even married. Right. Um, really, like, you know, like, like Tommy ain't had no job. The pops really was, was he really married? But I think... Um, I think from a, from a blackish standpoint, I think that Andre is trying to kind of figure out how to still keep his blackness, but raise his kids up in the white bubble. That's my because because you know there you know he he has a a, a marketing tech, techie type job. You know, Bo she's a she's a doctor, and so they live in this really fancy white neighborhood around all these white people. But he's still trying to keep some sort of blackness in their lives. And so I think that possibly trying he struggles. Yeah, and trying to keep it real. So like he struggles with that, you know, by, it's funny, like a, a few minutes ago, uh, my wife and I was watching the episode about the importance of going to the black barbershop. So like he tries to take his kids to the hood, yeah. to, to the black barbershop to get to get the haircut. And so, so they'll know what, what that experience and what that life is like. But at the same time, it's kind of like, but all Junior's friends, white <laughs> like he has white right. people that he grows up around that he knows so i don't know this is this is weird because you know i kind of see myself in that because you know like i say you know i grew up in the suburbs uh when we moved to georgia i lived in swanee uh if anybody knows anything about georgia oh, swanee is in gwinnett swanee. county it's <laughs> all white people 
So, so I kind of get it. Lily White. Mm -hmm. Lily White. Lily White. It was voted one of the best places to live in 2003 (laughs) in the U.S. So it's, it's. is is really what? Yeah, that's that's before body cams and social media. Most of my because I'm sure there were no nooses, church nooses galore and so on each Outside the Bubba Wallace. <laughs> but no, um, thank y'all brothers for joining me in the living room, man. This has been super super dope. Um, definitely going to get y'all back to have some more crazy conversations. Y'all can see some 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 crazy conversations. But let's let's uh let's wrap it up. Tell them. Where they can it's follow the G-Rater you. version. How, how, Chris, Marcus, Brian, tell them how they can follow you. How can they um, connect with you on socials and all that good stuff? Um, I am on Instagram, Real Chris Moore. Um, I'm on Facebook, Christopher D. Moore. And I'm on Twitter, Chris D. Underscore Moore. All righty. Uh, so I'm on Instagram, Marcus underscore Thomas 86. You can also follow my business page. Uh, it's Thomas Consulting Group, LLC. On Instagram, uh, Facebook, I'm Marcus Thomas, and uh, my my business page on Facebook is at the Thomas CG. Plug. Yeah, <laughs> yes. If you oh, hit me for all community relations needs, I'm here. I'm the man. Uh, Brian, uh, what is, I am Brian here on Instagram. Brian here on Facebook. I don't have Twitter. Uh, you can find me there. My page is not private, so you can just go in and <laughs> <laughs> peruse and then see if you like what you see and then go ahead and follow. Are you open to the public? I'm open, Reverend. Is, isn't Brian an old day? I, I don't have the Twitter. My, play, my page I is public. <laughs> I don't tweet the young people. <laughs> but no, thank y'all brothers for joining. This has been super, super dope. Um, can't wait to get y'all back. Let's go into our um, next segment where we talk about some black men's self-care. I am my brother's keeper. Woosa! 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 All right, y'all, we are in another moment of I Am My Brother's Keeper, and I brought all my brothers back so we can talk about what we're doing with self-care. Marcus, let the people know what you're doing this week for some black man self-care. Oh, man, what I'm doing this week for some black man self-care is first thing I do every morning is I ask myself, how am I doing? Always do that. How am I doing? You know, got to check on myself. Got to check on got one must know thy own self. So that's the first thing I do. Um Second thing that I'm going to do uh, this weekend for some self-care is to go running. Running frees my mind. Running helps keep me balanced. Uh, running is good uh, for my self-care. And lastly, but certainly not least, uh, the other thing that I'm going to do this week to for some self-care is I'm going to talk to my therapist. Uh, that's very important and vital to my life. Uh, even, even when nothing is going on, just to have that conversation because therapy matters. I'm going to pray, I'm going to talk to Jesus, and I'm going to listen to rap music. All that stuff keeps me balanced and keeps me in check. That's what's up, man. And you deserve, you absolutely deserve. Brian, what what, what you going to be doing for some black men's self-care? Um, I will be on vacation. Um, I think sometimes us brothers, we uh, work ourselves to death. We have the super hustle mentality. Um, so I'm going to take a vacation. I'm going to be on the beach. And I'm going to hang out uh, and just have a great time. That's what's up, bro. We all ain't able to be on the beach and living it up like that, especially with Roland going around. But I, if I know Lauren to be the sister that I know, 
y'all are keeping it safe and socially distancing and wearing your mask and you got my niece Brooklyn all covered and stuff. So that's what's up, bro. Chris, what what, what you got going this weekend, man? Well, this weekend I'm going to get me a haircut. And along with getting a haircut, I am also going to probably get me a facial. Um, I'm also probably going to get me a manicure. Get that dog neutered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get a manicure and a pedicure, and by the time this airs, I will be 34 years old. So it's gonna be a great weekend. Birthday, birthday. That's Are what's you up, getting man. The facial? That's what's up, man. You just yeah. In Olive Branch, there's oh, okay. a man cave um, type salon where you can mm-hmm. get a facial. That thing is like seventy five dollars. They put like lemon zing on your face and all that kind of stuff. That's what's up. That's what's up, man. So this week for me, I think um, I'm probably going to take a uh, a page out of Chris's book. I probably will go get a manicure and pedicure as well. Just do some self-pampering type stuff um, because I haven't been able to do it. And since those spots are back open, I think I'm going to go in there as with my mask on and all that kind of stuff and just kind of see what's up and take care of Josh for a couple of hours if I can get away. Um, Asha has family in town, so I should be able to stray away so she can be with family and then i could be able to be <laughs> be with me and um you know do some some some, some male be with yourself some, brother some male pamper you you gotta if you don't love you who else gonna love you can't nobody love you like you love you and uh, i i'm a believer in that and on that note we're going to wrap up thank you brothers for, for being here um for some black man self-care we're going to wrap up the show it has been, a, if you all could see what is going on <laughs> on these it's cameras. Terrible. Love yourself. The, the entire Christ. We're going we to wrap this thing up. We're going into the final segment of the show, A Greater Conversation. Let me talk. Let me talk. So we're back for A Greater Conversation. And today I want to talk. I want to have, come, come on in. Come on in. Sit down. Relax yourself. Let's have a conversation. Put your mask on. Leave it there. Do you understand? Apply it gently. Wear it firmly. What is so hard (laughs) to grasp about this concept? Right? I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be here long. But I want to know what is so hard for you all to grasp about this concept of just keeping your mask on. Like, do that. You understand? Like, do that. It is so beneficial for all of us as we continue to interact as states open up. As things try and attempt to go back to normal, there are proven benefits of a decrease in the possible transfer or exposure to the coronavirus if you have your mask on. Those chances are increased for protection when everybody does it. Okay? Wear the mask. Abide by the social distancing rules. I don't understand. Italy was one of the worst countries that suffered through this pandemic. And now they are one of the best countries who are seeing results of numbers going down, the curve, bend, all that different kind of stuff. America, we over here increasing in one state 
than some countries are seeing. Like there, our numbers are higher in one state than some total countries. Like we got to get ourselves together. Is that mimosa and that brunch and everything that you want to do that important? Like I get it. If you want to, if you want to celebrate something, do your little drive by. Have four or five people at your home that you trust, you know what I'm saying, that you can celebrate with. But until things are better, there's some type of vaccine or cure or whatever that comes out that is like legit. Until that happens, we need to be taking precautions because there are people who are asymptomatic. There are people who are, you know, are really susceptible to be able to, you know, to to catch the disease a lot easier more susceptible is what I'm trying to say, you know, than others. And so we just need to be very, 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 very careful, careful about what we're doing and why we're not adhering to CDC guidelines and why we think that we are the scientists and that we are the doctors. Boo boo. Run your register. OK, work in your cubicle, sit in your office, mind your business, the one that pays you. OK, don't try to do the CDC job. Don't try to do the doctor's job. Don't try to be the research fellow with the scientists. No, do whatever you was called to do. Work the work of your hands and mind your business. This is a great time to flex the muscle of minding your business and using that same muscle to putting that mask on your face. Okay? That's all I really want to say about that. And I don't want to have to have this conversation again because it is unnecessary. And the... And what bothers me so badly is that some of the same people, I'm not going to call out any names or any races, who are fighting (laughs) for their barbershops to be open and their gyms to be open are the same ones who are not practicing social distancing etiquette. They are not wearing masks. They are not staying six feet. My daddy just told me the other day that he had to tell some lady, can you give me my space? And she kind of scoffed at him and rolled her eyes. But. Ma'am, I shouldn't have to ask you. Most of these stores have clear markers of where six feet is and you can just stand there and wait like you're not getting to the register until I'm finished anyway. So just wait, just wait. Sitting up on me is not going to make you get any closer to checking out. Standing up on me is not going to make you get any closer to getting your food until I'm finished, especially if I'm in front of you. And if you don't have a mask, your hot, nasty breath is all on me. And I don't know what you're spreading. You're just spreading your Corona juice everywhere. And I don't want any parts of it. Okay. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get the disease. And if you feel like that you have been exposed, please go get tested. There are a number of free testing facilities throughout the United States. The lines may be long. The lines may be jam-packed. It may take you a while. But if you feel like there is some chance that you have been exposed, you're feeling any type of symptom, go. Okay, make sure you're tested. Follow what they tell you to do. Isolate yourself, social distance, quarantine, all that good, grand and beautiful stuff. Because I've seen people post this week on my IG story that they were feeling fine, got a little tired, went to the doctor. Bam, positive for COVID-19. Right. So just let's make sure we're all being careful. I know that the summer was supposed to be ours and I am still hoping against hope. Like I said in the beginning of this episode, that at some point of this year, we are going to walk into some greatness, some joy. I know we are manifesting and claiming our own personal joy, but I also feel like that at some point of this year, we are going to walk into some amazing things. I'm not promising you the best year of your life. 
You know, six months have passed and it's already been a pretty hefty crap show. So I can't promise you that. What I can promise you or I'm not promising you anything, but what we can do is bind together to try to do our part to make sure that we're fighting against it, that we're doing everything that we can do to remain safe, healthy and whole and hope against hope that this year is going to produce and manifest something really great for us, even if we don't see it until 2021. All right. So let's do that, y'all. OK, can you know, can we do that? Alright. <laughs> and that wraps up another episode of the Jigsaw. I just had to get that off. I just had to get it off my chest. Um, by way of announcements, 4th of July is this weekend for all of you guys who are deciding to celebrate, and for you all who are not, and for all my hoteps who are gonna, you know, make all these posts and judge people, you know, have at it. Do your thing. Barbecue, don't barbecue, swim, don't swim, whatever you're gonna do. I, I don't know. But be safe. Remember what I just talked about? Um, doing the fourth and we know, and y'all please don't go crazy with these fireworks. Mighty God. Like, come on. At some point they got to stop. I think I'm gonna try to get my sons a few just so they can have that experience. But y'all don't be cracking fireworks, firecrackers at three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Come on, man. Like, okay. (laughs) All right, let's do that. Oh, and no raisins in the potato salad. For all of y'all, Karen, don't do that. Put that down. Put that down. Put that down. Matter of fact, get out the kitchen. Get out the kitchen. Don't, we don't need your new recipe. Don't test out them new recipes on us. All righty. Well, another thing I want y'all to do is to keep buying black. We shouted out Portraits Coffee ATL, but keep buying black. I'm another black coffee owner is Black and Bold. They're online. You can go to the website. One of the owners is my frat brother, Gerard Johnson, I want to say is his full name. So yeah, go check them out. Um, There's a ton of Black business owners and things that you can support that's by Black and Brown folks. So that's real dope. I am one of them. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You've been supporting that way. Another way that you can support is by going to IamJoshRogers.com, clicking the shop link, and you will see all the different type of merch that we have, stuff for women, stuff for men, and even stuff for children, stuff for boy moms, all that different type of stuff. So make sure you buy a shirt. Make sure you support. I would really, 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 really appreciate it. Um, We did not do the questions this week. I am building out what that segment is really going to look like. So I want to make sure that I have everything in place and I want to make sure that it is dope and I'm presenting a really well put together, well thought out segment so that is entertaining, it is informative and all that different type of stuff. All right. So bear with me when it comes. I will let you know. And I'll tell you now, the segment is going to be called the P.O. Box. So when y'all submit y'all questions to um, our email, you can email me by going to the Jigsaw podcast at gmail.com submit your questions make sure you put in the header that it is a question and then tell me like the title of the letter or whatever we will give you a pseudonym keep you anonymous so if you want some advice some commentary or whatever on whatever you're going through let me know send it to the jigsaw podcast at gmail.com and we will get that answered for you as always Tell your friend, your mama, your cousin, her auntie, her mama, her daddy, and all of their friends to listen <laughs> to the Jigsaw every single Thursday. I would really appreciate it. And please give us a rating of five stars or five stars, <laughs> five stars only, and leave a really dope review. I would really appreciate it. That's how you can support the podcast if you don't support anything else by leaving a five-star rating and leaving us a dope review. All right. Follow us on socials at the Jigsaw Podcast. You can follow me on socials at I am Josh Rogers. And that is a wrap. 
But don't let life stress y'all out, good people. Do what you can while you can, the very best way that you can. But listen here, don't you ever get caught with your work undone. I'll see y'all next week.